Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Empowering Dietitians podcast, where each week I dive into a specific topic to help you feel more confident and connected to your work as a dietitian. This week, I want to talk about something that's been coming up in a bunch of my sessions with dietitian clients. Structure. It's probably not as sexy and exciting as some of my other topics, but I think you're going to like this one. As many of us kind of self-describe as type A RDs, we really like structure. But intuitive eating is, well, pretty unstructured in many ways. So today we're going to talk about structure in so many different ways. How much structure should you have when you're working with clients one-on-one? How our approach to structure evolves with experience and confidence? And how structure fits into an intuitive eating framework for my fellow intuitive and intuitive curious dietitians out there. As a type A perfectionist dietitian, I'm really good at following rules. I'm also really good at organizing things and applying logic to solve problems. I've always been that way. In school, I followed rubrics to a T. You know those uh, professors who would intentionally give vague instructions and you didn't really know exactly what they wanted or how they wanted it because they wanted to see what you would do on your own? Yeah, I hated that. Structure was everything for me. And I'm wondering if you can relate. In theory, structure and order are great. Everything is clear-cut and organized and laid out perfectly, and there's no confusion, and like, wouldn't that be something? But of course, life is not quite like that. Working as a dietitian in any kind of counseling capacity is especially not quite like that, because guess what? We're dealing with humans, and so when I say any kind of counseling capacity, I don't just mean private practice or one-on-one counseling. When you're kind of relating to another human being, structure and order and and perfect organization is probably not going to work, especially because not only are we dealing with humans, but we ourselves are human. And human behavior and emotions cannot be relegated to strict, rigid, and tidy little boxes, especially as we dive deeper into intuitive eating, we realize that there's actually a lot of nuance and uncertainty. And that doesn't only feel uncomfortable for a lot of our clients, that can feel uncomfortable for us. So how do we balance our desire for organization and order and structure with the need to account for nuance and flexibility in human growth and development, both for us as professionals and for our clients personally? That's what we're going to be going over today. Now, first, I want to dig a little deeper into this concept of structure and why we are often so drawn to it. Structure is a defense mechanism of sorts for perfectionism. We talk about that a lot on here. The root of a lot of perfectionist tendencies is, is fear. Fear of making a mistake, fear of not having an answer, fear of being unprepared. For more on this, check out last week's episode on imposter syndrome, because these fears are often the very things that lead us to feel inadequate as dietitians, like we are frauds and aren't nearly as qualified as other RDs. These feelings and thoughts are false, um, but they are very common for us as dietitians to experience. 
But back to the fear itself. We are afraid of being unprepared. So what do we do? We over-prepare. We try to anticipate every move, every outcome, so we can be ready for them. It's called overthinking. And guess what? Dietitians are pros at it. <laughs> this doesn't only happen professionally either. I've gotten really good at challenging my perfectionism and need for rigid structure professionally. I've also made huge strides when it comes to other wellness habits and preferences, like how perfectionism and rigid structure show up or used to show up in my eating habits, fitness goals, and body image. But that doesn't mean that I've like quote unquote cured myself of my perfectionism. I could be wrong about this. I haven't researched it extensively, but I don't believe that most perfectionism can be completely cured, for lack of a better term. Uh, it doesn't just go away, is what I really mean by that. It's very much a part of who we are. Sure, it can be amplified and deepened through experience and maladaptive coping mechanisms, the same way that it can be understood and kind of muted or lessened a bit through adaptive coping and self-awareness. But it's still there. And it's still going to show up in random ways when we are least expecting it. Take board games, for example. I play a lot with my friends. And I'm known as the one who takes forever on her turn. And half the time I wind up super frustrated because the game overwhelms me. For a while, I actually had the irrational belief that I was not only bad at board games, but that I was unintelligent because I struggled so much with strategy and focus. Justin was the one who helped me identify and challenge those irrational beliefs. He watched me play, and one night he sat down when everyone had left and he said, The problem isn't that you don't see it. It isn't that you don't get the game. You do, but your brain is working on overdrive. You're playing out every single outcome to the end, trying to figure out the absolute perfect move and then the absolute perfect next move and then the absolute perfect next move after that, and it's paralyzing you. In other words, I was overthinking it. I still have this habit with board games. I try to structure my way through them, weigh every single option and see every single outcome and make a nice orderly foolproof plan. And it holds me back. When I don't win, it's usually because I took too long to make a strategy because I was so busy considering every single possibility that I couldn't commit to just one. And when I do win, it's usually negated by how absolutely stressed I get over it in the process. It's, it's nuts. So as I work through this example in my own life, what does this story teach us about structure? First, it, it can help. Having a strategy, having some organization can absolutely help us succeed the same way that having a strategy in a board game can help me succeed. But when it consumes us, when we get hung up on having the quote-unquote perfect strategy and the quote-unquote perfect order, we get paralyzed. We have to find that balance. We need a plan, a strategy, some structure to guide us, and a healthy dose of flexibility paired with it to deal with the curveballs that come our way 
and prevent that analysis paralysis. So let's apply this to being a dietitian, because I know not all of you are going to be able to relate to my uh, board game story. Usually, this question comes up with my dietitian clients who are getting ready to start a counseling business. To be fair, not all of my dietitians strive for private practice. And like I said, I genuinely believe that this is going to come up whether you're in a private practice counseling scenario or not. But it does tend to be this scenario that prompts it. Um, and most of my dietitian clients who are facing this situation are kind of confronted with the question of how to structure their program. And I want to back up like I usually do with them and share with them how I've structured my own program. There isn't only one right way to do this. So I want to be clear that just because I've done it this way and it's worked for me, it doesn't mean it's the only way. But I think it gives a little bit of context to the idea that structure does not have to be this static thing. And it can be a tool that we use that we don't get consumed by. Now, my supervision program for dietitians started out very structured. I had a full program. I had different topics and each topic had specific objectives. And when a new dietitian signed on, they filled out an intake form sharing their top struggles. And I used that to build them a custom roadmap. And each week would be assigned a different topic with different objectives. Then when it came to the calls themselves, I allotted specific amounts of time for different things. We would have a review time, we would have a new topic time, and then we had one beautiful little bit of unstructured supervision time where the dietitian could bring up anything that was a pressing concern for them that wasn't currently being addressed by the roadmap. But even this unstructured time was in fact structured into the call. Now in theory, this all is great and super organized, but I knew even back when I first started this that it wouldn't pan out perfectly. I knew some topics would need more than the allotted time. I knew curveballs would come up that would need to be dealt with, but I still set the expectation of structure to start, and then I dealt with the curveballs as they arose. I chose to approach my program with this much structure in the beginning for two reasons. First, because I know dietitians, especially newer ones, tend to feel more comfortable with a bit of structure and guidance. A totally open call where they set the agenda can be overwhelming, and my beta testers in particular really appreciated that they didn't have the stress or anxiety of needing to set that full agenda. But I also did it for me. I've been doing nutrition counseling for seven years, and sure, I've mentored other RDs prior to starting my supervision program informally, but never formally. I'd never formally officially worked with dietitians in this capacity before, and the structure helped me feel more prepared. It gave me a game plan. It helped build up my confidence because I knew that even if the client wasn't sure of what to talk about or what they wanted to work on, I would have that plan to fall back on. I did this in the beginning with my nutrition counseling too. I did a lot of prep work between sessions when I was a newer dietitian. I had outlines of where I wanted to go with the client in kind of an ideal world. 
I had general roadmaps. Like if you came to me with diabetes, I'd gravitate toward one roadmap of specific topics. If you came to me with a desire to lose weight, uh, whether or not I was at a point in my career where I was counseling on weight loss, I had a different roadmap and a different set of, for lack of a better term, talking points that I would turn to. This isn't inherently a bad idea. A lot of dietitians feel anxious about one-on-one counseling. When it's just you and your client in a room and they're looking at you expectantly, what do you say? What if you run out of things to say? What if they ask about something and you don't know the answer? What if you just draw a total blank and forget everything you've ever learned about nutrition? You won't, by the way, but the fear is there. I get it. You're not the only one who worries about this stuff either. And so when you're just starting out, it can be helpful to have a plan and a little bit more structure, not so that you stick rigidly to it, but so that you have a safety net to fall back on. Even if you don't use it, it's there. And that can help quiet those fears a little bit. So I usually tell my dietitian clients that some degree of structure is helpful in the beginning, especially if you're feeling nervous about counseling. The way you create that structure is highly individualized, of course. I can help my clients one-on-one figure out what that structure might look like for them, but there's really no right or wrong. If it helps you feel peace of mind and focused, it's working for you. Now, structure is also helpful for your clients the same way that the structure in my program is helpful for me and my dietitian clients. It's helpful for your clients too, because guess what? Your clients are probably coming from a whole ton of dieting and diets are all about rigid structure and rules. They're like us. They're usually really good at following rules. They want you to tell them what to do and how to do it. And they tell you they'll comply obediently, or at least that's what they think. And they're going to try really hard to do it. And if you dive in headfirst with unstructured everything, and you loosen the reins and cut them loose and talk about how there are no rules and they just need to listen to their bodies and everything will be fine they're probably going to feel about as terrified and uncomfortable as you are about it. Maybe more. Intuitive eating is not about chaos and a free-for-all. I promise it's, it's really not. There is structure to it, and you as a professional can choose how you utilize structure to gently guide your clients into food and body freedom. I chat about this in episode 11, uh, Criticisms of Intuitive Eating, part two, Unconditional Permission. So you can give that a listen or a re-listen if you want a really thorough discussion of the structure in terms of intuitive eating. But for the purposes of this episode, I want you to think about it this way. You have a client who has been dieting for 20 years. And they've been following some diet's rules in one way or another, whether it's counting calories or points or avoiding certain ingredients or food groups, they've lived according to food rules. And even though those rules haven't worked for them in the long term, it's all that they've ever really known. It's all that they can remember. And so that's what's comfortable for them. So how do we get from there, point A, to food freedom, point B, or really 
if we're being honest, food freedom is probably more like point Z. There are a lot of steps in between. Well, to do this, to craft this path for them, we start with structure. We have to start with something that feels familiar and safe. This helps you establish a therapeutic alliance with them. It doesn't throw them into the deep end right off the bat. So maybe you talk about hunger and how regardless of how we feel it physically, and if we feel it physically, because that's a whole other conversation for another day, our bodies need food, period. And eating regularly can be a form of self-care. So maybe you help them go from kind of chaotically grabbing food whenever they get a chance, working through their lunch breaks, skipping breakfast, uh, to eating more consistently throughout the day. That's a really great way to start the intuitive eating process with that little bit of structure. Then, of course, as we go through the principles, we have to incorporate the nuance. We have to slowly take off the training wheels and undo some of that structure to make sure it isn't becoming rigid and they're not turning this gentle structure into just another diet. So someone learns that eating consistently is awesome, but they can recognize that some days it's not going to happen. They'll learn to navigate their complex emotions in complex ways. They'll learn how to challenge their black and white thinking. And slowly but surely, they'll make their way to point Z, that food and body freedom. And if we do it artfully, and we do it intentionally, they won't be dependent on structure anymore. They'll use structure when it serves them and recognize that it isn't realistic to expect it to pan out perfectly every time, or really, anytime. And as they gain practice with intuitive eating, they will rely on structure less and less. In other words, they're going to trust themselves more. Guess what? So will you. You're going to do this with your counseling too. So let's circle back to structure in your programming. When I sit down with an intuitive eating client, I don't have an agenda or a plan. I don't have much structure. They come in for their initial assessment and I use that to guide the conversation. The conversation and their progress flows more organically. Sure, I employ gentle structure to support them as I need to, and I've been doing this long enough that I have a pretty solid idea of how I approach different principles and when I approach them and how long most of my clients on average spend on each one, but it's more a part of me now. I don't need the high degree of planning and prepping to assure myself that I know what I'm doing. I feel intrinsically prepared walking into an intuitive eating session. I trust myself. Now my work with dietitians is younger and yet it has still already rapidly evolved. I started with structure, like a crazy amount of structure, but now I would argue that I use very little. I still create a roadmap for my dietitians, but I removed the dates on it. So it's kind of a general roadmap of the topics that I aim for us to cover, but there's no timeline on it. And more and more, I'm gravitating away from even that. My absolute favorite thing is when a dietitian comes into the session and says, I want to talk about blank and throws some pressing concern at me and we spend time working on it. I love it. I trust myself and my ability to navigate those situations now. 
I don't need to lean on the structure so much anymore. But I can tell you that if my first client ever had done that to me, I would have felt self-conscious. I would have worried that I wasn't going to be prepared. Now, I don't see the roadmaps going anywhere exactly. Again, my dietitian clients tend to like them, and it does help guide our general big picture focus, but I rely on the order less. I rely on the specific objectives less. I will continue to evolve my program to find that sweet spot, the way I bring structure to your journey so you aren't overwhelmed in the beginning without tying either one of us down to rigidity and inflexibility. You can do the same with your program. Start with a degree of structure to help you feel more confident while you're still learning to trust yourself. And then slowly peel back the layers as you get more comfortable with it and spread those wings of yours. We cannot predict everything. We cannot treat human nutrition counseling like a formula. It isn't a tube feed. It's not the Krebs cycle. And that's not to knock any of my amazing clinical dietitians out there. Let's be clear. Tube feeds and Krebs cycles are super complex, and I can't even begin to tackle them as a primarily counseling dietitian. But human nutrition counseling has so much nuance because we can't really predict human behavior that well. So structure has its place, but if we're using it as a crutch, that's what it really comes down to. If you're using structure as a crutch to appease your perfectionism-driven fears, it is holding you back, and we need to challenge it. So I have a challenge for you this week. I'm giving you a little bit of homework. Sometimes I leave my dietitian clients with homework, so we're bringing it into the podcast. I want you to find one thing and do it imperfectly. Don't weigh the pros and cons of every single option. Don't look at it from every single angle. Make it small if you need to. You know, maybe don't start off with a decision to buy a house or quit your job. Think maybe more like which ice cream flavor you want to buy at the store, how you meal plan, or if you're anything like me, what to watch on Netflix at night, or maybe uh, play a board game and commit to spending no more than 60 seconds to decide your next move. That's going to be my goal for tonight. Now, this doesn't mean I want you to make an uninformed decision, but don't overthink it either and make a decision even if you don't feel 100% confident in it. Then realize that you survived the imperfect choice. The world is still spinning. You're okay. So what will your imperfect decision be? Connect with me on Instagram and let me know. I cannot wait to hear about you challenging that perfectionism and learning how you can stop letting structure paralyze you and start taking confident, imperfect action. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Empowering Dietitians podcast. If you resonated with what you heard on today's episode and enjoy the podcast overall, I would love it if you could rate the podcast and leave a review. Your feedback helps this podcast reach more dietitians who need to hear these messages. And apparently in the podcast world, ratings and reviews are actually really important. 
And then if you are looking for more one-on-one -on -one support in your journey as a dietitian, I want to invite you to apply to my Empowering Dietitians one-on-one -on -one supervision program, where I guide dietitians just like you to reconnect with your purpose and passion, overcome stress, anxiety, and perfectionism, and confidently start standing up for yourself and your beliefs, all so that you can truly make a bigger difference in your clients' lives and design your dream life as a dietitian. To learn more, head to www.empoweringdietitians.com supervision.